Hot off the press is the Metropolitan Opera's 2018-19 season announcement, featuring four new productions, one Met premiere, and Wagner's complete ring cycle. I'm Naomi Baratera. On this episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast, the inside scoop on the new season. The Metropolitan Opera Guild is dedicated to enriching people's lives through an awareness and deeper appreciation of opera. Our podcast features lectures and events presented by the Guild in support of performances at the Metropolitan Opera. The Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast is funded in part by support from the Stuart J. Pierce Memorial Fund. To learn more, visit metguild.org. Every February, opera lovers wait with bated breath for the Metropolitan Opera's new season announcement. Today, we have a special conversation between Opera News Editor-in-Chief F. Paul Driscoll and Met Opera Radio's William Berger. They will share insights and exciting elements of the four new productions, touch on the highly anticipated return of Wagner's Ring Cycle, and talk about some special revivals. We'll also listen to some favorite musical moments. I'm F. Paul Driscoll, Editor-in-Chief of Opera News, and I'm here with my friend Will Berger to discuss the Met's new season, 2018-2019. And it's February now, and we've had an exciting piece of news. The Met has announced that Yannick Nizé-Séguin will become the Met's music director at the start of next season, September 2018, two years earlier than anticipated. Will, what does that mean for all of us? It means that In addition to assuming full artistic responsibility for the orchestra, the chorus, and the entire music staff, he's beginning his full-time collaboration with the Met's general manager, Peter Gelb, on artistic matters. Everyone in the company loves working with Yannick Nézé-Séguin, and I know we here in the media department also have enjoyed talking to him about specific scores in the past, and now we're really looking forward to learning from him about all the music that we're doing here at the Met. Oh, that sounds very exciting. We'll talk about the three operas he's conducting next season. Let's go through the Met's new productions first. So, Will, let's start at the beginning with the first new production of next season, which is going to be on opening night, and this is a new Samson and Delilah. It's a wonderful opera, and it is just the ultimate in French romanticism. And I'm looking forward to this uh, premiere cast with Alina Garancha and Roberto Alagna. They had been here before together in Carmen, another great example of steamy French romanticism, and they brought it. Mm -hmm. And I think this will reveal great beauty in this opera and a lot of excitement, too. New production by Darko Tresniak, who we've seen on Broadway with a lot of energy and heat also there. So I think that's going to make audiences gasp. And this is his Met debut, is it It is not? his Met debut. Yeah. He did uh, Ghosts of Versailles, I think, at Los Angeles Opera and Macbeth as well. He's a wonderful director. I'm looking forward to it very much. Yes, me too. Samson and Delilah is composed by someone who didn't really do very many operas, did he? No, Camille Saint-Saëns was a great figure in music, and he wrote instrumental pieces that we still love and the Carnival of the Animals and an organ symphony that's tremendous. But here he put all the love into the voices, and it is a great operatic accomplishment. 
What's your favorite piece for the mezzo in this opera? It's one of the great, great mezzo roles. Her aria where Delilah seduces Samson pulls out all the stops in seduction, also of the audience. There's nothing quite like it in all of opera for sheer sensuality. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to a master class with a singer who shall be nameless, and she was a mezzo was singing this, and she said, remember, darling, it's raining outside and he can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Which we hear in the orchestration. Yes, there's a storm scene, get it? Like uh, always a cue that something is about to happen when there's a storm scene in opera. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to be listening to an audio excerpt of Alina Garancha singing Delilah's Aria Moncourt Souvoir voix, which is from the Met's 50 Years at Lincoln Center Gala in May 2017. This is with Yannick Nézé Seguin conducting the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. Thank you. 
That was Alina Garancha singing Mon Coeur Sous Voix a performance from the Met's 50 Years at Lincoln Center Gala, was conducted by Yannick Nézé-Séguin, and the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra is performing. And the new production of Sanson et Dalila, Samson and Delilah, conducted by Mark Elder, will launch the Met's season on September 24th. The next new production up is a brand new opera, Marnie, by the American composer Nico Muley, in a production by Michael Mayer, the distinguished Tony-winning Broadway director who has worked at the Metropolitan Opera before. And this has been seen already at English National Opera, but this will be the Met premiere and the United States premiere. And talk a little bit about that and Nico Muley's work. He did another opera here, Two Boys, which was a success. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Nico Muley's music, particularly for voices. Mm-hmm. I think he explores the dark recesses of people really well. And that is something that's very present in this opera and uh, in the novel, the Winston Graham novel. A lot of people are familiar with the title, Marnie, because it was an Alfred Hitchcock movie with Tippi Hedren. Now, this is not based on the movie. This is based on the novel, is it not? That's right. It goes right to the source material of the movie, which is this novel. You know, opera in general, I think, is a great means to look at characters, especially women, who are very complex, not conventionally likable, mm-hmm. maybe difficult. I'm thinking of Lulu, even Carmen. Mm-hmm. And Marnie is in this tradition. This is a very uh, unusual woman with, uh, she's a dangerous woman, and this sort of thing. I think Nico Muley in the operatic format is going to be a great way to explore this. It's going to be very exciting and a great cast, too. Yes, Isabel Leonard, the wonderful American mezzo-soprano, has the title role of Marnie. And Christopher Maltman is Mark Rutland, the uh, gentleman who is... uh, Shall Caught we say in her snares? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As happens in opera so As often. As happens very often, especially if it's a mezzo. Yes, that's right. Good point. And we'll, uh, we'll also hear from others. Janice Kelly, Denise Graves. I'm very excited about that. And Yeston Davis. Yes, exactly. We've got Robert Spano conducting, so that will be interesting. But also, Julian Crouch and 59 Productions have worked on some of the most exciting stage presentations Mm -hmm. here at the Met. So I can't wait to see what they do with this particular story, all of this crew together. The next new production up at the Metropolitan Opera is La Traviata, which is also directed by Michael Mayer. This Traviata, from what I understand, is a little bit more traditional and this is going to be conducted by Yannick Nézé-Séguin. And the glorious Diana Damrau is doing Violetta Valerie again at the Met. Juan Diego Flores is doing his first Alfredo at the Met. And Quinn Kelsey, one of my favorites, is Giorgio Germont. Are you looking forward to this? Have you seen any of the designs? I have. And the glory of Verdi's La Traviata is that every time you encounter it, it is a completely new experience. It reinvents itself. And... In this production, from what I've seen, it explores the romanticism and luxury that is also an important part of the story. You might even say a character in the story, this Parisian decadent life Mm -hmm. that's so important. So it may be traditional, but it's also a fresh new look at this remarkable woman, Violette de Valérie, who seems so real 
every time we encounter her, or should, and I think will, in this production and with this cast and crew. And musically, Verdi made her very complicated. Some people say you have to have more than one voice to be able to tackle it all. What do you think is the most difficult thing that she has to sing in the course of the opera? Every soprano I've spoken to has told me something entirely different and Mm -hmm. completely surprising. For me, what would be difficult is inhabiting all these voices and characters in one night. Everything that a human can experience, she experiences and expresses in the music very clearly, from exhilaration to despair to resignation. How do you do that? How do you tie them all together? Each one would be difficult enough. But I think we will see that and hear that done really well. So let's listen to a moment of exhilaration from Act One. Diana Damrau singing Sempre Libera from a 2013 performance of La Traviata at the Metropolitan Opera with Yannick Nizé-Séguin conducting the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. was Diana Damara singing Sempre Libera from a 2013 performance of La Traviata with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra conducted by Yannick Nizet-Séguin. And we, we will hear a reunion of Maestro Nizet-Séguin and Diana Damara in our new production of La Traviata, which will be also new for Diana, who's told us that every time she encounters this character, she, not only the audience, sees it as something completely new. She's looking forward to a deeper and renewed exploration of this endlessly fascinating woman. Next up at New Year's Eve at the Metropolitan Opera is going to be David McVicker's staging of Chilea's Adriana Lecouvreur, with John Andrea Nozeda conducting an all-star cast headed by Anna Netrebko, Anita Rochvelishvili, and Pyotr Bachawa. This is one of my favorite sort of high-drama Italian operas. It's a story about how you can kill somebody with poison flowers, which I think is a pretty neat trick, especially set to music. This is one of the few operas in the Metropolitan Opera repertory that's based on a real person. Who was Adriana Lecouvreur? She was an actress, a stage star. So in a sense, we have another opera about a diva, in a way, who at the uh, Comédie Française in uh, the 18th century, who had a great rivalry with a princess, the Princesse de Bouillon, for the love of Maurice de Saxe, the Count of Saxony, who's Maurizio in our opera. A terrific face-off, and the confrontation of the women becomes the core of this opera. And here we have Anna Netrebko and Anita Rashvelishvili, who will also, incidentally, 
pair off in a very different setting at another point in the season in Verdi's Aida as rivals for the love of the tenor as well. What's your favorite part of it? I believe that when the women confront each other every time in this opera, sparks fly mm -hmm. in a unique way. I think of this as an opera lover's opera, mm -hmm. but also one that will turn a newcomer into an opera lover. Sure. If, if there's enough going on on the stage, and I really believe there will be. We have a tremendous cast, and also production by David McVicker, who every singer I've spoken to who has worked with him talks about his focus on the characters, mm -hmm. uh, that his productions are very character-based and how he works with them to develop their characters. So I'm imagining this cast, those characters who are very, um, as you say, very dramatic mm -hmm. uh, in this opera will be something very special. I saw some of this cast in Vienna in this production, and it was glorious. I'm sure. He is wonderful, and she is wonderful, and it's a true treat. So I'm looking forward to seeing it again in December. In certain ways, I wish this opera were done more often, but in other ways, I'm glad it's, uh, it's still considered something special to mm -hmm. be done by a cast that really wants to do it. Yeah, exactly. One of the most eagerly awaited revivals of next season is going to be Robert Lepage's production of Richard Wagner's Ring Cycle, The Ring of the Nibelung, which is coming in spring of 2019, with Philippe Jordan conducting some of our favorite singers. Can you talk about what's going on there? Christine Gerke is going to be doing her first Brunhilde's at the Met. That's right. Anytime you produce The Ring, as one operatic experience, in other words, all four operas together, mm -hmm. it is a major event and also a great challenge for any opera company. And you need not only a great star as Brunhilde, as Christine Gerke will be, but you need also a tremendous cast in every role. Mm -hmm. throughout. You need a great orchestra, you need a great conductor, you need great stagecraft. The Ring is the summit of not only of the opera experience, but in many ways of theater. And we have a wonderful cast assembled in the various roles, Jamie Barton and Greer Grimsley, Mikhail Fola, Eric Owens, Andreas Schager, Gerhard Siegel, Eva Maria Westbrook, Stuart Skelton. It's tremendous. Philippe Jardin has been conducting it, but this is his first time conducting the complete cycle at the Met. And there's seriously nothing quite like it. You approach this experience as the epic that it is, not only on the stage, but for the audience. This opera, if you can look at the four pieces of it as a single event, which is the way the Met is presenting it, what is it about this that makes people travel from all over the world, to a ring cycle. The Ring of the Nibelung takes on a subject that no other opera takes on. It goes from, in a sense, the beginning of time to the time of the era of human beings. It goes through the magic, mythological time of gods and giants and supernatural events into the modern world. How does that happen? How did that happen? How did a whole order become another order? All of this is told 
not only on an epic scale, but, and here I think is the great accomplishment, through very compelling characters, most of the ring is two people talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And people like Wotan and Brunhilde and Siegmund and the twins, Siegmund and Sieglinde, are fascinating as characters. And the idea to tell this vast story with no limits through characters is, I think, what makes it irresistible to people because it's a huge story that you can follow as a person. Mm -hmm. You can see yourself in it. And I'm telling you, if you have seen it, you know that there is nothing like it. You want to come back. If you have not seen it, take my word for it. You need to experience this. Okay, we're going to listen to a little bit of The Ring Cycle. This is the prelude from Act 3 of Siegfried in a performance from 2013 with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra conducted by Fabio Luisi. I'm glad we're listening to this excerpt because it shows you so clearly what happens in the music of The Ring, that you have themes that are associated with different individuals or ideas. What happens here at this moment is we're at a sort of crossroads where everything is coming together, leading to the resolution. And even if you don't know the exact details, you can hear that there are several stories, so to speak, being told just in the orchestra right here. That was the prelude to Act Three of Siegfried 
in a performance from 2013 with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra conducted by Fabio Luisi. And Maestro Philippe Jardin, who's the music director of the Paris Opera, will be conducting all the cycles of the ring for us in the spring of 2019. There's a lot of interesting uh, repertory that's coming to the Met that's a little bit unusual, uh, some of my favorites that I haven't heard for a while. Let's start with Mephistofele by Arrigo Boito, which is coming in November. Talk about that opera a little bit. What is it that makes it an unusual take on the story of Faust and the Devil? This opera is so easy to love, I think, with the great choral part. It starts in heaven, and we visit uh, Witch's Night, and it's the story of Faust, and there's love and romance and magic, and it's just an incredible piece. I really cherish in all of it a few of parts. There's a love duet that is unforgettable, but really this prologue that takes place in heaven, Mm -hmm. it seems to be half a dialogue between uh, the devil and the Lord. We only hear from the devil, but we do hear from him rather spectacularly, and then all the heavenly choirs chime in, and that's a starting point of this (laughs) opera. It only gets better from there. So let's listen to that little bit of heaven from Mephistophele, and this is recorded in February 2000 with Mark Elder leading the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra and Chorus. That was the prologue in heaven from Boito's Mephistophele, with Mark Elder conducting the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra and Chorus in February 2000. And in the autumn, there are going to be two Puccini operas, or actually four Puccini operas, depending (laughs) on how you count them, that are coming back to the Met. And all of these had their world premieres at the Met. The first one in October is La Fanchula del West, The Girl of the Golden West, which is going to be revived with Marco Amigliato conducting a really wonderful cast. And the other is Il Tritico. Let's talk about Fanciulla first. I believe it's Puccini's masterpiece. It's my favorite opera of his, and I'm not alone in saying that. I think he captured both the exuberance and the sort of mythic quality of the American West. I'm from California. This, this opera really resonates as true to me. I know many. Mm-hmm. I know that woman, uh, the star of the opera. It is a very difficult opera to cast, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons it's not done uh, so often. You have the leads, Eva Maria Westbrook and Jonas Kaufman and Jelko Lucic as the sheriff, Jack Rance, the bad guy, but also a large ensemble. So 
amazing opera. For me, it's a transformative journey. Beautiful, easy to love if you've got a great cast top to bottom. Now, speaking of great cast top to bottom, that's what's happening in Tritico, which comes back in November in Jack O'Brien's magnificent production of three operas. Yes. Which take place in very different time settings, very Mm -hmm. different places, but with wonderful roles in each one. Il Tabaro, Suor Angelica, and one of the great comedies, Gianni Schicchi. It's clearly the most epic night of theater Puccini ever put together. And part of that is that each of these operas needs a large and excellent cast. So if you can deep cast the way I think we're looking forward to this with names like Placido Domingo and Amber Wagner and Stephanie Blythe, Marcelo Alvarez. Just where does it stop? All conducted by Bertrand de Billy. Then you've got the evening of theater that Puccini intended for one of his largest statements and most his grandest visions. The last two operas we'd like to discuss are both conducted by the Met's new music director, Yannick Nézé-Séguin, and they're both classics of the French repertoire. The first is Debussy's Pelléas and Mélisande, which comes back in revival in January of Jonathan Miller's production, and then Dialogue des Carmelites uh, is coming in the spring, and that is the Met's famous John Dexter production. Talk about Peleus first. What is it that makes this such a wonderful, unique, standalone opera? It's not quite like anything else in the repertoire. That, that's really true. Um, Debussy was famous for many of his orchestral compositions, piano, songs. But in this opera, it all comes together in a unique way because it's imagine a journey through color. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this opera is. It has drama in it, but not in the way of any other opera. And when you jump into Peleas, for me, it is being in a river, maybe even swimming in one. And that's what it is like to attend a performance of Peleas and Melisande, at the end of which I guarantee you're a different person than you had been when you walked into the theater. And so then Dialogue, or Dialogues of the Carmelites, which is being sung in French next year at the Met in the spring of 2019, that to me is uh, such a magnificent work about the human spirit and the indefatigable character of these women of faith. This opera is from the 1950s, and when there was a great question about how can you write an opera and be modern and up-to-date and yet also include things like melody and beauty. This was a, a very difficult task to solve, and Francis Poulenc solved it. It's a striking achievement, and I don't know anyone who doesn't respond to it. Well, this has been great. Thank you very much, Will Berger. I've learned a lot, and I'm even more excited than I was at the beginning of our conversation about the Metropolitan Opera's 2018-19 season. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure to be able to talk about this with you especially. I'm F. Paul Driscoll, Editor-in-Chief of Opera News. Special thanks to F. Paul Driscoll and William Berger for providing such a wide array of insights into the upcoming season 
Subscriptions for the 2018-19 Met season are now available. Visit metopera.org for more information, and individual tickets go on sale in June 2018. For all kinds of information on the upcoming season, podcast episodes, and all things opera, be sure to follow the Metropolitan Opera and the Metropolitan Opera Guild on your favorite social media platforms. I'm Naomi Baratera. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Metropolitan Opera Guild podcast.